0: I want to talk to you about something that has really been challenging me recently and the Lord has been challenging me about my joy you see joy isn't something that has to be dictated by our happiness or our sadness or any of our emotions joy can be so much more than that right joy deep down in our souls. The joy of the Lord is something that doesn't have to be movable. It's something that doesn't have to go away from us if we're in a good season or a bad season. It's something we can hold to, whether we're contented or not very content. And I think the Lord has been pressing this on my heart because joy can be robbed so easily from me. And one of the ways that My joy gets robbed is by complaining. And there's this great scripture in the Bible. It's found in Philippians and it's in um, chapter 2 13. And it says this: it says, Do everything. That's a lot. Do everything without arguing or complaining. I was like, Lord, that's a great scripture to just put in my back pocket. Because I was like, Oh, I think you've got me, Holy Spirit. And tonight, I want to title my message for you, if you've got a notepad or whatever it is, stop complaining. And it seems a little bit bossy, I know, but and it could seem a bit strong, but I think God is so seriously desperate about your joy not being robbed by your complaint. And so I want to say loud and clear and bold tonight, stop complaining and this is something that I've tried to wedge inside of my mind and my heart not to tell me off not to deny me of negative or sad emotions because they're not a problem but to help me not let my joy disappear not let my joy get bogged down because the enemy would love for your joy to be stolen And so I've got a few little pointers that have been helping me. They might help you. You can take them or leave them tonight. It depends if you can resonate with them. But some pointers that have been helping me to lead a life of not complaining. Now... This is a journey for me. This isn't just a word for you. This is a word for me. I am a self-confessed complainer. I think I said this morning, I'm a self-confessed control freak. I'm all the things. I kind of get all of my baggage out on the congregation. I'm so sorry. But I'm just a real normal person and complaint is one of those things. And I'm even a born again complainer because just because we're a Christian, it doesn't mean that our complaints just fall to the ground and disappear. It's something that is like a journey for me of working on. And someone in the Bible that has inspired me to help me in my complaint is a woman called Hannah. And Hannah, her story is found in 1 Samuel. It's at the beginning of the book. And I'm just going to relay a bit of her story to help us tonight to just unpack this message. And we find Hannah, she is a woman. She's married to a guy. And um, she can't have children. And I found that throughout the story, you'll find that Hannah has a lot of reason to be a complainer, but I don't see documented any proof that she complained about it. And so let's look at what she did. So she's she married to this guy who um, had also another wife. It's not something irate, and neither does the legal system. But he had two wives. And this is the first thing straight away that I learned about Hannah. If we're going to stop complaining, then we've got to be aware of comparison. and if not say stop comparing because... Comparison's always going to be there. It's not going to stop. The opportunity to compare with somebody else is always going to be present. And that's why I'm saying be aware of comparison. See, Hannah, she would wake up and in her household smacked her comparison because there was another wife in the household. And not only that, her name was Penenna. I mean, can you choose a wife that doesn't have a similar name to me? And The most painful thing probably is that Penenna, she could have children, but Hannah had none. And so the comparison was there. For me, comparison can be something I do so unintentionally. I can just be scrolling and scrolling and without even noticing it, I can be comparing in my mind or comparing my life to what I see online. And we have this saying, don't we, that the grass is always greener on the other side. And Sometimes what we do is we look at the grass that someone else has and we just like kind of take trimmings from it and start kind of trying to pick it because we think, well, actually that will look good on me or sometimes we don't notice we're doing it or I would like that or oh, I'm so jealous of that and sometimes we say in humour and I would like that and all we do is we just pluck away little grass strands we don't even get very much but then we cause havoc for all the people that have hay fever lifting the grass out of the root and what we need to always just recognise is that our Lord has rolled out our very own grass carpet for us to walk on all of our own. And it's time that we just keep focused on what God has laid us to walk through. See, we only see the top of the grass trimmings of somebody else's life. We don't get to see how they got there, what it took, what their journey was. And so it's always best to just keep focused on the grass that God has given us at this time in life. And I believe Hannah was good at that because even though comparison was there and she so longed to have children like the other wife in the household, we didn't see her complain. And the second thing that I see Hannah do, second thing that she was aware of, I think she was aware of criticism. Criticism can cause us to complain so much. When we receive criticism, when we give criticism, it actually can just turn into complaint. It can really take away our joy. And some of we have to kind of help ourselves do, and this is something I've begun to do, is that when there's like a series of you know, criticisms lined up in my day, I just try to draw out what are the things I'm thankful for? What are the great things that happened? What were the good words that were said over my life that day? How can I try and sort of magnify the good of the day, the things that weren't so critical? And here's the thing about Hannah. Every single time the family would be getting ready to go to the house of the Lord, every time they would be getting ready to go and worship, Panenna would just amped up her criticism of Hannah. See, not only does she have another wife in the mix, but that other wife would make fun of her. She would criticize her because she couldn't have children. And it would be every time they were getting ready to go to worship, it was just like comp- comp- Criticism on steroids. And I want to encourage you every time you're about to go into the presence of God, every time you're going to try and get ready or make a plan to be in church or pray or be before the Lord, do not be surprised if criticism comes across your way. Because the enemy would love to stop you and deter you from being in the presence of God. And one of the things they can do to, to deter you from it is criticism. But Hannah, she still carried on. She went on to the house of God. And I just want to encourage us. Just, oh Lord, would you keep our eyes fixed on you? And if you're in line right now, if you're in the building, I just want to pray for a moment. I'm just going to stop here. I'm just going to pray. If there has been a word over your life that is so critically cruel, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would come as the encourager and the truth teller that you are, that you would come right now and that you would elevate all that is good and all that is truth about this person that has just been robbed of their joy because of the criticism that came across them. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the third thing the third thing that I see um, Hannah doing is that she became so sad that she couldn't have children. She was so tormented by the criticism that she stopped eating and she began to weep. I I said in the beginning that, you know, having joy doesn't mean that you aren't sad at times. It doesn't mean that you're a weeper. And I didn't put this point in because I, I think I took it out because I just think sometimes it's not necessarily things people want to talk about. But one of the C's that helps us see joy is when we allow ourselves to cry. I don't know why I took it out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But it's amazing, isn't it? When we have a baby, when there's a baby born, the first thing we want the baby to do is cry. Yet as we get older, or as we get more mature in our faith, we shouldn't be doing any of that nonsense. But Hannah she wept. And Jesus wept. Granted, Jesus didn't weep all day, every day, but he did weep. And you know, sometimes there are seasons in people's lives where you do have to weep maybe in different seasons longer than usual. I don't know what's going on in your life, but sometimes a brother or sister might have to weep more than usual. And that doesn't mean that their faith is small. It might be that God is enlarging them. And there's a time of sorrow and it's good for us to go and weep with them in those moments. But Hannah, she wept. She cried. And you know, crying, it can do so much good for us. In fact, I think it's like a Holy Spirit tool for us to help regulate our emotions because we can cry whether we're happy or we're sad. Yeah. And crying, it helps us breathe better. It helps us just, just soothe ourselves. It helps us just have a moment where we let the emotions have an outlet. And also tears, they wash our eyes out so that we can see better and have better vision. And sometimes we so desperately try to avoid the tears that it just gets us more pent up and more frustrated when sometimes all we need to do is go and have a good cry and I bet it will help us stop complaining. We have a good, healthy, cry. And Hannah, she wept. And then the fourth thing that I see her do is she goes to her council. I'm talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a council. We have a local town council. Some of us, we have councillors that we go and talk to. But we have a higher council. See, all those things are good, but there is a higher council that we must never ignore. And the higher council goes hand in hand with all those other things. I mean, sometimes our worldly, our human counsellors let us down. Sometimes our local councils don't always have all the resource that we think that we need, and they don't always look after us the way we think they ought to look after us. And sometimes our counselors in the people, they can sometimes confuse us. Sometimes they make us cry more. Sometimes it just gets confusing. And sometimes all of those things can be great, but whether they're great or they're not so great, we can never forget that there's a higher council. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is like an entourage around your life. And it's not bad to cry before those people, it's not bad to cry around the support systems you've got in your life. But don't neglect going to your council, your higher council to weep there. And that's exactly what Hannah did. She was crying and her husband was so helpful. He was like, lady, why are you crying? Like, like, she didn't, like you don't know why she's crying. But Hannah, she got up, she took heart and she went to the temple. And it says that she wept before the Lord. She went and she prayed she poured out her soul to her counsel. And when she left that place, she, ra- she left more radiant, more bold. It just did something in her. It set her up. And the other thing that we need to remember is that, this is something else I see Hannah doing, is that just because I'm saying, let's stop complaining, I'm not saying, stop challenging. See, there's a difference from complaining to challenging. And sometimes we have to be careful because sometimes we see something or God allows our eye to fall upon something that we go, we must challenge this. As people of God or just, you know, someone who has a responsibility to myself or my household or my church or community, I must challenge this. And sometimes when things don't move as quickly as you'd like or people don't always respond the way you like or you don't always have the right words, sometimes you can slip into complaining. But I want us to hold true to the fact that God is a just God. And He doesn't not call us not to challenge us, challenge people, he doesn't call us not to stand up when it's necessary. But knowing the difference, I think, is really important. See, when you're complaining, have you ever been in a situation where someone has said something or something has happened and you feel thrown and you leave that place and then you have like a download of what you should have said. And you're like, oh, if I could have just said that in that moment, it's so frustrating. But sometimes it's like the Holy Spirit's delay. Because when you're complaining, you can be reactional. But when you're challenging, you respond. And you are are geared up with the words of the Holy Spirit. And you are ready. And you have the strength. You see, complaining will tire you out. And challenging, even though challenging is work, it will make you feel strong complaining is something we sometimes do for our own gain but challenging is something you're doing to help make change not just for yourself but those that are around you challenging doesn't mean that um, not complaining doesn't mean that you can't tell the truth when it's necessary and we see Hannah in the temple and she's pouring out her soul to the Lord the priest who is there he's like, Hannah, you're drunk stop this and she stands up boldly and she doesn't go, oh no, don't think bad for me, and like runs away. No, no, no. She stands up boldly. And I've got a feeling that this may have not been the first time this happened, Tanner, because in that moment she stood up strong. Because I think in this circumstance, they, they would always be praying out loud and praying vocally, but she was praying in her heart and moving her mouth. And I don't think that's something she just did as a one off. I think she did it regularly. And the priest was like, stop it, you're drunk. And she said, no. Do not take me for a drunken, unworthy woman. For what I was doing is I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. So she challenged in that moment. He was like, whoa, okay, you go in peace. And whatever you were praying and petitioning for, let it be. And it was amazing how when you challenge something, you are doing it with the word of the Lord and with the Holy Spirit behind you. And then we move on. Now, as she leaves the temple, it's not in an instant that she gets her miracle. Because while she was there, she was praying. She made this vow to the Lord. She said, Lord, if you would grant me a baby, then I will make this vow that he will be yours. And I will give him back to you. And he will come and serve in the temple. And a razor will not touch his head. And one of the things that helps us stop complaining, helps us see joy, is when we make commitments. I think it was um, Pastor Scott, you mentioned today in, in the service about re looking at the commitments that we make. And I think it's really good for us to reassess, maybe monthly, maybe yearly, what are the commitments that I make? Are they in line with what the Lord wants? Because sometimes I get into a habit of complaining when I've forgotten my commitment or I've forgotten what it was that I set my heart to. You know, there are moments in my life I go, why am I doing this? There are honest moments where I go, oh, whoa, God, are you real? Like, are you, are you there? Is this all true? They're just human moments that I have. And in those moments, because sometimes I just look at stuff and I go, oh, how can this be or whatever? But in those moments, before I slip into complaint or I slip into doubt, I remind myself of the commitment I made. I go back to the day that I committed my life to Jesus. I go back to the moment that the Holy Spirit first became so real to me. I go back. And when you go back you are reminded afresh of the commitment that you made. See, in my life, I have some long-term commitments and then I have some short-term commitments, short-term commitments of you know, how I'm serving the Lord and where I'm serving the Lord. And I think it's really good to reassess where you're committed because your commitments keep you focused and your commitments keep your eyes on God and your commitments stop you complaining. Oh, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? Why am I believing this? Why do I keep going to church? Why do I keep doing this job that one day, you know, God gave me at some point, if you go back to your commitment and go, God, what was it I committed to? And there'll be moments where maybe God wants to change your season and recommit you in a different way to something else. But always go back and assess your commitments. And Hannah, she went further than a commitment. She made a vow to God. And we talked this morning about how God even went further than that. He made a covenant with us. And then there was this thing where she said, oh, you know, I'll commit him to you and there'll be no razor that touches his head. And I was like, what's that about? See, in this culture at the time, if, 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 the, if the guys didn't have any razor on their head, if they had long grown out hair, it meant that they were committed to doing the work of the Lord in the temple. So this was something of significance. It marked a commitment. And I don't know what it is in our lives, but maybe we want to be reassess our commitments. We've got to do something that makes a marker that goes, this is my commitment. This is the commitment I'm making for everyone to see. See, dedication, Pastor Mark and Kathy are at their, their twin grandchildren's de- baby dedication today. And it's like putting a marker. It's going, we are committing these children to the Lord and, gro- and teaching them in the ways of the Lord. When we get baptised, some of you in the room may want to be baptised, it's putting a marker and going, I'm making a moment where I'm going to commit to the Lord. And then my last point, and Jordan and the team, you can start to come back now. But the last point is this. One of the things that helps me stop complaining is remembering to celebrate. Remembering to celebrate. So it finishes off the story of Hannah in this section where it says the whole family They got up the next day early. See, when you're ready to celebrate, you get up early, like Christmas Day. They got up early and they went down to the house of the Lord to worship. See, when you're celebrating, when you're being intentional about your celebration, you gather everyone together and you wind the clock back and you make sure you absorb every moment of the celebration. And then she has this whole section where she's just praying and giving thanksgiving to the Lord. And at this point, she hadn't even been given her baby yet when she went to worship. And I wonder, when was the last time that you truly set a marker to celebrate? Maybe it's one of the commitments you can make in your life. I'm going to actually put things in my diary where I'm going to celebrate life, celebrate the King. And I, I read this book um, called The Celebration of Discipline by a guy called Richard Foster. And he talked about the discipline of fasting, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of coming to worship, the discipline of serving and meditating and studying the Word. But then he talks about the discipline of celebration. See, I'd never seen celebration as a discipline, but oh, it is. Making time to Celebrate. And I wanted to celebrate tonight, so we went all over Kensington to find a balloon. Do you want to just come and hold this for me? And this is sometimes what it's like in our life. Let me get this ready. Celebration takes preparation. We can be like, oh, well, Lord, I'm going to go to work. i work for you. Be a good example for you. Evangelise for you. Tell of the good news. And then I'm going to go home. I'm going to chat to people on the bus oh it's a tube isn't it here and then I'm going to make dinner and God I'm going to put it all on the table and serve it up with a smile on my face and then I've got to make another dinner because someone else in my household doesn't like what I made but I'm going to keep serving with a smile and then I'm going to clear it up and I'm not going to complain that nobody's helping me and then I'm going to go to bed and pray because that's a good discipline and then next day I'm going to get up I'm going to fast, not even going to eat don't even think about dinner everybody else and then Sunday comes and I go to church and I praise and worship and I celebrate you, Lord. And I, we've gathered in discipline because, you know, that's what we should do as disciples and, and just blow some effort for, for, for the sake of effort. And then what we do with our lives of all of our disciplines, we sometimes don't stop and make a marker to celebrate. And then what happens is just, And we wonder, we wonder why we're so tired. And we wonder—that's when that's the moments when I'm like, "God, are you there?" And it's like, "Yes, I am there, but you haven't stopped." And so, what it should look like is, "Okay, God," because all those things were not wrong. All them things went wrong. I'm like, "Oh, nobody celebrates me," and uh, my birthday's coming up, but I'm not going to tell anyone about it. And uh, oh, no one said happy birthday. What a shame. You think they see the Facebook reminder? So I'm just going to carry on. going to keep a good, good, good focused face of a smile. going to keep serving you. I'm not complaining because that's not what we should do. And so you know what? I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to go to the worship night. Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's all the nights, isn't it? Some more nights here. I'm not sure. But I'm going to go to every night, just worship, get before the Lord, get my heart right. I'm going to celebrate. I come away and I feel good. And then I'm gonna go and I'll be with friends, be with people of the Lord, be with my cell group and just get fed and you know, just oh fellowship, it's so good for the soul. But oh now I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Okay and I read my Bible and I pray. And then difference is we stop, we tie it up, we make a marker, we make a moment, and we remember to celebrate. And then what happens is when we celebrate, it's contagious. And other people catch it. You can catch that. That's for you. Catch it. And start passing that across the temple, across the room, the sanctuary. You know what we call it here. See, your celebration is contagious. Your celebration is joyful. You know what else is contagious? Complaining. And that's why the enemy would like you to trade it in. And so let's just stand all across this room because before I finish, I just want us to end in celebration. And oh Lord, I'm just going to pray, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God of joy and that you want us as your people to be joyful. See, his word says, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Why does it say again? Because he doesn't expect you just to have one balloon, he doesn't expect you just to have one celebration, he doesn't expect you just to get married and have one party, you no, know, every day of your life, every week, every month can be a cause for celebration. What have we got for dinner tonight? Just fish fingers? Let's get the party napkins out. We'll make this a celebration. <clears throat> Let me just recap. Let me just recap for you. From the tips we got from Hannah, see, I've made them all C words to help you see the joy when you want to complain. See that C words to help you see. Hannah, beware, be aware of comparison. Beware of criticism. Permit crying. Go to your higher counsel. Remember your higher counsel even. Don't leave the door without the entourage of your higher counsel around you. Don't forget to challenge don't think you can't challenge because you're a Christian that doesn't complain. Reassess your commitments. Remind yourself what you're committed to. Refresh your commitments if you have to. If you've been doing something for so long and you don't know why you do it anymore, just check with God if he wants you to do it. He might be like, no, I want you to make a new commitment so we can all be more joyful. And then lastly, celebrate.